Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. So, I was a pretty, I wouldn't say I was like a huge fan, not going to be one of my all-time favorite episodes or anything, but I really enjoyed last week's episode, The Heartbreak, was really excited to see where the storyline was going to go, diving into this week's episode, and if I had a complaint, if, Mm -hmm. if I had a complaint, it would be... It would be that this episode is 40 minutes with approximately 15 to 20 minutes of plot. I feel like they just almost repeat plot points a couple different times in this episode just to fill Mm -hmm. the time. Because I look at my notes and I'm like, man, I did not like a normal episode of the OC. I can write a pretty hefty chunk of notes yeah um this one i maybe wrote eight things down like Mm -hmm. like it is it's not a very dense episode is what we'll say um but it feels like it's setting up it doesn't feel like it clearly is setting up the chess pieces on the board to either be the last seven episodes of the show or God knows with the OC, it could be the next two episodes and then we'll set up more chess pieces for the next, the last five episodes. But the main focus of this episode at its core is Teresa is still here. Mm-hmm. She wants Ryan for herself, but she's also dating Gabriel from six feet Under. <laughs> uh, <laughs> who plays Eddie, who has proposed to her. He's as far as Eddie is concerned, he is engaged to Teresa. Mm -hmm. As far as Teresa is concerned, she doesn't know what she wants. She said yes out of fear and she would rather be with Ryan Atwood. Um, And as far as Ryan knows, he's still butthurt over the whole Oliver thing. So he's like, Sure, Teresa's great. We have history. She would trust me if I told her that the guy mm-hmm. she was dating might be mentally unbalanced and dangerous for her. And it's just a, a weird, multi-tiered 
uh, romantic issue, which Seth points out, we are living in a telenovela plot. Mm -hmm. That's kind of 90% of this episode. (laughs) and i just summed it up we're in done two minutes. Uh, yeah let's like, go to the music like <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts on this episode as like a long time fan i skip it <laughs> i mean it's the it's like it, yeah it's it basically it could have been like an extra 30 minutes onto the last episode right yeah like it didn't we could have introduced be... eddie at the like 20 minute mark no. of last week's episode and just skipped into whatever episode 21 is about i feel like yeah i i think that like we're trying they're really trying to make this like we're just friends now we're trying to be friends and to sandy's point it's like were you ever really friends like it was yeah it was never really friendship to begin with it was hot and heavy and which you know the show reveals one of the like flaws of the of the Brian and Marissa stuff but as an episode but again just back on track as as an episode as a whole no it's not my favorite it's a lot of exposition it's that part in a play in a movie where it's like you know that you need to know these things because it's setting something else up but you don't know how to convey that information in a concise quick entertaining way yeah and and that's the thing all my notes like almost every one of my notes is tied to mostly this um mm-hmm. but it's like i like i also just didn't care like mm-hmm. <laughs> like i don't mm-hmm. they haven't done a good job of making me care about any of this it seems like at the end of the episode that Ryan and Teresa are kind of running off we get that phone on the bed of Eddie just continuing to call out Teresa's name for what we have to assume has been a couple minutes at this sure. point in time. Um, but then there is the one uh, one sub like subplot. Obviously, we're continuing the Julie Cooper Luke stuff. I feel like Kirsten and Sandy barely have. So- oh, well, actually, that's not true. Sandy has a plot line that we'll talk about. And then Seth and Summer. I wrote down my first note about Seth and Summer is that it cuts to them like basically almost naked in bed. And I'm like, man, from the last episode of Let's Take It Slow, they are clearly doing a terrible job on that front. Like that was that was some plot service for 24 hours or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, okay, let's 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 think of it through that, because there's not there's really for for the central and title of the episode to be tied to the Ryan, Teresa, Marissa, Eddie plot. Mm-hmm. It's almost irrelevant to most of the episode. Like, yeah. like we said, they they kind of set up the pieces and then do nothing with the pieces once they're on the chessboard. So let's talk about Sandy Cohen and the fixer. <laughs> for Uncle Sean. Uncle Sean for Caleb and how... Basically, Caleb has put Kirsten in a shitty place. Yes. And is now using Sandy's expert lawyer skills to get them out of a situation because Caleb is aware that while Sandy could give a fuck less about if Caleb or his weird pseudo uncle who gets things taken care of goes Mm -hmm. down, that 
whatever happens to them will still have to happen to Kirsten. Mm-hmm. So of course he will protect her at all costs. Um, similar to how he kept Jimmy Cooper out of jail because he didn't want to hurt Kirsten because they were friends. Um, mm-hmm. And now, and now he's friends with Jimmy and it's delightful, but like, this is another one of those plots where I'm like, I'm sure this is going to keep going into at least episode. I feel like this could continue into the final episode and beyond. But again, I'm like, I, I want to, ca- I, the show wants me to care about this story more than I actually care about this story right now. Mm-hmm. So I guess my question for you is like, am I correct that this is not the last that we hear about this whole thing? Or is this kind of another one of those plots that kind of is just there to give us some extra drama in the parents' lives, but ultimately is a moot point. Well, I mean, it wouldn't be a soap opera, right? If there wasn't some sort of like corporate businessy drama, like I think you, when you get like, when you get to like a Veronica Mars, right? It's more the, the high school stuff is like layered on top of like, crime stuff right it's on yeah. top of like all of the stuff related to like the police department and a murder so like it's the it's the real world stuff over the triviality of you know the high school business that being said i mean it's supposed to be a peter gallagher vehicle so having him do this as like you know being the um uh, being uh, inadvertently now caleb's errand boy um, is really is is sort of interesting, but it really means nothing to me now as someone who like could really give l- little to no shits about Caleb Nickel and the Newport group. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's what it comes down to is that I don't care about Caleb. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that Sandy is going to be fine. I know that even if everything went to shit, Sandy would still probably and most likely successfully fight for Kirsten to mm-hmm. keep Kirsten out of the same punishment mm-hmm. as everything else. I wouldn't be shocked if we found out that his conversation with Caleb, he was like secretly recording for or something like mm-hmm. it just mm-hmm. feels like I know that this isn't going to go to the place that it wants me to think it's going to go. So it's hard to be invested. Sure. Plus it's also just like, it's one of those things where it's like Kirsten and Sandy are so solid that there needs to be a secret, right? There needs to be something that is a, there needs to be a wedge that gets driven between them. And it's really out of left field for that to come from her own father. Yeah. At this point, right? Because he like loves her, and he hates Sandy, loathes him, loathes his, you know, Semitic good looks, <laughs> as it were. <laughs> There's a lot of exposition. This whole episode is very, like, it's very dialogue driven. It's it's an Amy Sherman Palladino, like, directed episode as opposed to a Daniel Palladino, which was yeah, last week. Well, you know, it's funny. I, I almost was going to bring up Gilmore Girls as as we're known to do on here. Mm-hmm. But like there's even a line of dialogue towards the end of the episode that feels like it could have been a line of dialogue you wrote for for Lorelai mm-hmm. in Gilmore Girls, which is when Teresa shows up and like Kirsten's just ordered takeout, which is like the go to. Yeah. For the where's Coens the maid? Anyway. Where's Lupe yeah. or whatever and, the fuck her name and was? And here's well, and then <laughs> Teresa's like, "Can I help?" And here's <laughs> says something along the lines of like, "Yes, the secret is that we take the food out of the plastic containers." <laughs> like it's just this this family 
Again, this is a family that Seth Cohen was so concerned about his Thanksgiving dinner being cooked perfectly as he remembered. Mm-hmm. Um, and they ended up having take like it's the the inconsistencies of the Cohen's food. And as you've pointed out, the maid is like, what are we doing here? What, yeah. what is happening here? But I would say in a shocking twist to the last couple episodes, probably the most compelling story arc this episode is the Seth Summer story arc. Um, mm-hmm. We get Anna back for a little bit. Anna, yeah. uh, who's either either being the coolest ex-girlfriend slash wing woman in the world or being a tiny bit sneaky. Um, but I'm leaning more towards that. She's just a good person trying to be a good wing woman and be like, yo, stand up for yourself. She's like, say um, something. she's uh, she's finally fulfilling her intended purpose, right? Yeah. <laughs> to basically get them yeah. to fuck. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which mission accomplished, Anna. They had sex. Mm-hmm. I do like that storyline of I like the layers in that storyline because it starts off with no one with summer not showing any type of PDA mm-hmm. towards Seth and how yeah. Seth engages with that information. And My Seth least told- favorite any like teen trope, right? Where it's like yeah. you're in a relationship, like it's the one thing in Heartstoppers that's heartbreaking. And thank God it only happens in the first episode. <laughs> like it's like, oh no, they're ashamed of me. Um, and he's feeling like real down in the dumps about that, right? Mm-hmm. But then simultaneously, Summer's like, sure, I'll do a kissing booth. So it makes it hard for Seth to buy the I don't like PDA. Because he's like, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. You're like charging people $10 for PDA. Um, but I love what Summer actually reveals to be the case, which is that she is afraid that Seth is going to leave her mm-hmm. and that everyone will know. So it's not that she's ashamed Mm -hmm. that she's dating Seth Cohen. She's Mm -hmm. ashamed to eventually be publicly dumped by Seth Cohen Mm -hmm. and would rather not put herself through people thinking of her in that way by just not showing the relationship. Yeah. Which is very like, I get that. I get that very like, like I think of it, you know, now we're not in high school, neither one of us, Mm -hmm. but like there is, there is even something about like, having to update your social media to suddenly not be in a relationship and back down to single, that feels a weird kind of shamefulness, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I recently did it. (laughs) I'm like, gonna be 34. It might be why this show exists. (laughs) Yeah, it might be why this show exists. It might be why I like the OC. Um, I recently did it. It is not fun. I'm about to be 34 fucking years old and... That shit made me feel like I was like, you know, 17 again. Well, because because here's the reality, right? Like when you do that, when you're when your relationship status changes on something publicly, what happens more often than not is that everybody wants to talk to you about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, what happened? Are you OK? Blah, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. What television and film has led us to believe is like. I'm going to flip this to say single. And then every person who's been patiently waiting for Matt Kelly to be single again, are all going to come out of the woodwork. And yeah, not often does that actually (laughs) fully Mm -hmm. play out. Instead, you're 
you're having to exchange pleasantries sometimes with people who you haven't spoken to yeah. in years, <laughs> yeah. like, but are suddenly very interested in the drama that is your life. Yeah. <laughs> Which so. like, I've also been that person where it's like, Hey, I see you're single. I'm not interested. I'm just like, you know, fucking nosy. <laughs> yeah. Look, so I, I've, I'm going to, I'm not going to sit here on my high horse and pretend that I'm any better, but I definitely am like, all right. I, what the move that I've done, I I will I will publicly say this, and I don't even want to call it a move. That sounds so gross. Sure. If someone changes their relationship status, I am never going to be the person that like messages them and be like, "So what happened?" Mm-hmm. But if someone has recently changed their relationship status, and then maybe I see them post something that ties to an interest of mine, like they're. Mm-hmm posting about watching love is blind or something like Mm -hmm. I will message them and talk about love is blind. And if the conversation actually leads to personal stuff, sure. Then I'll, then I'll inquire. And if the conversation does it, I just let it die because I assume my, my rule of thumb with most things is that people will bring the conversation towards what they are comfortable talking about. Yep. I know that because that's how I am. Like if I feel like I'm okay to talk about how bad I feel <laughs> or if I'm in an emotion, I might ask someone how are you doing today with the hope that whatever they answer, they will also say how are you doing and I'm able to be like I'm actually not doing great right now. You Thanks know what I mean? For like asking. I'm yeah. it's quite bad. <laughs> yeah. Like, like it's like not feeling great. I feel too awkward to just message someone and be like, I'm doing mm-hmm. terrible. Talk to me. Um, but this is a way to, to maybe start the conversation. Yeah. Um, Do you know what also like helps like with that feeling of like, like help mitigate that feeling. And this is also goes for like a lot of the things in the, in the show is like therapy, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like therapy is fantastic too. Yeah. My, the, I feel like our modern day therapy also memes, um, being able to send memes to people that yes. I love and care about really is a is a great way to start that conversation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. going because uh, sometimes I'll just send a meme that's got just a little bit of a like the world is terrible and everything's raining shit and mm-hmm. you know we get a l- nice laugh out of it but also like deep down we both know okay so Matt's not doing great <laughs> it's like maybe we should check on him um maybe you can just like i don't know send him a fucking meme and you know have it be okay but i mean that episode the the episode kind of ends with seth stepping up and and declaring his love and just being like look i'm making the grand gesture i'm putting you in the power position you could be the one to publicly reject me in front of everybody Mm -hmm. and kind of like I don't want to say that he did something noble here because he he didn't really, but I'm sure in his mind, it's like, look, I'm making, I'm making this power move where I'm the one groveling you for attention. So no one has to know that you were the pursuer of me the last couple months. I, it was so funny. I was texting my friend Barb about, Mm -hmm. about watching the OC today and I was like, you know, it's really funny because if you listen to episode one of this podcast, I fucking hate Luke and I'm like all in on Seth Cohen. And I feel like in just 20 episodes, my thoughts on those two characters has so completely flipped Yeah, where like I really love Luke, even though we get 
more Julie Cooper, <laughs> Luke booty call stuff in this episode, which, which like is... is not like he's 18, right? It's so inappropriate. At it's this very point. inappropriate. Like, the whole, just like, you know, if he had gonorrhea or if he had like, you know, HPV, like he just basically gave it to a family. Like, yeah, it's, it's gross. It's very gross. I don't like it, but I still kind of like Luke despite everything. Whereas mm-hmm. like Seth has really started to trigger a lot of the other show that we cannot escape bringing up on this podcast. Yep. A lot of Ross feelings watching. Yeah. Where it's just like, there are things about you that make you such a relatable character to me personally, mm-hmm, be it mm-hmm. the dorkiness or the neuroticness or anything. Sure. But there's also parts of you that make me reevaluate myself more because I go, I don't ever want to be <laughs> that type of person. Yeah. And you know what? That's called growth. Yeah. And I love that for you, Matt. Thank I, you. I, I will. I'm going to choose to reframe that. And I celebrate that in you that like you are now seeing you are now moving beyond that. So I celebrate that in you, friend. But it still means that everything that Seth Cohen does, I have a slight like, oh, really? <laughs> kind of <laughs> view of it all. Like, True. True. But I mean, that's that's telenovela basically I know. Uh, we are we are day. really trying to stretch it because there was like like did aaron sorkin write this fucking thing? Dude, <laughs> like well and and the other big strike let's talk about the music why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them with royal caribbean you don't just go to the beach you visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in north america you don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and... What do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, everyone. We're Superhero Stuff You Should Know. And if you think you know about superheroes and comic books, think again. We got romance. We got action. Romance. We got comedy. We got everything you need, man. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know for all your superhero needs. Uh, ro- I, I don't know about this romance. What part are you talking about? We've got all kinds of sketches and then deep dives on top of that. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know. All right. So come on down to... Su- Wait, why did I say come on down? To superhero stuff you should know. I have never... I literally... Joe... My one for the song of the episode, it starts with I guess. <laughs> like it's like I we don't need to keep talking, right? Like this <laughs> is the most forgettable collection of songs that has ever appeared in a TV show known for music. <laughs> like so so we get mm-hmm. caught in the rain by the Preston School of Industry, which is mm-hmm. the kickoff song of the episode. Leaving Trains by James William Hiddle when uh, 
Marissa and Ryan are just friends discussing Teresa. <laughs> um, Bluebird of Happiness, again, by this group whose name I stumbled with last mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moeve 3, um, which is when Ryan, Teresa go on a walk on the beach. We get Des Moines by the band Halloween Alaska when Ryan and Eddie are talking outside the house. And then finally we get something pretty by Patrick Park when Seth and Summer are at the kissing booth. Joe, if you gave me a billion dollars, I couldn't hum a single one of these songs for you. Nope. Uh, (laughs) Nope. So the closest I came to the song of the episode was the only song I remembered the scene when the song was playing. And that was leaving trains when Marissa and Ryan are having a conversation about Teresa at the cafeteria. <laughs> yeah. I, I like just because of the moment, not even the music, just the moment itself. It's the song with, with the proclamation of love. Okay. Something pretty by Patrick Park. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is oof, like this episode just is swing and a miss both episode and musically it may feel to some people that we're completely glossing over the fact that like right when marissa has told her marissa has basically convinced her to go handle her shit ryan comes along and they fuck but like it happens at the very like we did not need to have this drawn out bullshit well that's the the thing like again all of these beats and I liked last week's episode, but it wasn't a great episode. But if you smashed these two episodes into a single 40-minute episode, you have a damn good episode of the OC that like moves, hits the plot points, especially since last week's episode was all about Ryan not having sex with Marissa. Mm-hmm. Why not have that episode end with Ryan having sex with Teresa? Like that just seems like the logical story beat to go at that point like Mm -hmm. it's just it's very weird it's like it's it's like when you watch a um have you ever watched a show like a docuseries on netflix let's say Mm -hmm. where you're like why isn't this just a movie like why like why is netflix releasing this true crime thing in two 45 minute pieces instead of just a 90 minute (laughs) documentary like that's how I felt about this episode. Like, why wasn't this episode and last week's episode just consolidated? <laughs> Did we really need to hit twenty-seven episodes in our first? It's season? giving. This could have been an email. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But regardless, sometimes there's bad episodes, but it didn't stop the OC from being a pop culture phenomenon. No. Um, I'm gonna go first because mine's a little weird because mm-hmm. we've already discussed this at like great lengths, but. As I've said before, I wrote down things as they were happening and building up. So apparently I'd written down that my pop culture promo for this episode was going to be everything everywhere all at once, which we've discussed at length. Literally three weeks ago, we talked about how deserving the Oscars sweep is. But I just want to reiterate again. Holy hell. This movie is truly something to behold. It is a truly important movie. There's a Mm -hmm. reason why it is as beloved as it is. Mm -hmm. So once again, this will probably be the last time I say this. There are people who are probably going to be underwhelmed by this movie a little bit now that it's just been like showered with so much love. And I get that. Mm -hmm. But even a friend of mine, he borrowed my copy after the Oscars. He wanted to watch it. He returned it and said it was good. He's like, it was very good. I don't get the hype. And then I saw him a week later and he goes, you know what? 
I have not stopped thinking about that movie since I watched it and then decided to watch it a second time. And you're right. It's a masterpiece. So I think that there's going to be those elements where like after a movie sweeps at the Oscars and every single person in the world is praising Mm -hmm. it, by the time you sit down to watch it, you're like expectations are up here. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that there are people who are going to be like, that was very good or that was fine. Think about the movie more after the fact, go and revisit like the amount of layers and like individual pieces and like the way that it's saying like 14 different things all at once. Like Mm -hmm. the name is so appropriate because the movie is literally saying everything all at once. (laughs) It's all um, happening. Yeah. But that's, that's my little, little quick, like, Hey, in case you forgot that we've been promoting this a bunch on this show. Yeah. One last time. One more time. (laughs) (laughs) Once is never enough. Uh, Um, mine is actually a song. So, um, as we're recording this, we're in the beginning of April. Um, and usually what I do is I create like a, I, every quarter. So every three months I create a playlist of music that I discover. Um, it's part like what I'm taking with me from the previous quarter and then part what I am discovering in that in the current quarter so for example if i like if i see like a song or listen to a song that was on um snl i um will shazam it or find it put it in that playlist and then these are the this is the music that i'm like that's staying with me if i shazam something those things go into that um so it's a it's a really wide variety of stuff that's in these different playlists and so the, one of the songs that came up when I was listening to when I was watching episodes of We're Here last quarter, and I have to do it now for the for the one that we're in, was a song from <laughs> it's like an EDM song. Do you know the DJ Dylan Francis? I don't, but I am excited to hear more so, about him. So there's a DJ, his name's Dylan Francis. He's the one who um Turn Down for What is a Dylan Francis song. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. I think it's a Dylan Francis song. I'm actually I not that sure. that was DJ Snake. No, that's DJ was... Snake. What is a Dylan Francis song? Um, I will find... Which, a... ironically, Turn Down for What, directed by the Daniels. Directed by the Daniels, yes. Everything and Everywhere All at Once. <laughs> oh, that now I remember. Dylan Francis is Get Low with DJ Snake. Oh, okay. Get, 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 get low. Get, 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 get low. But that's not the song. So the song is this album that was released in 2018 called What What, which is basically like Dylan Francis and like a bunch of like Latin artists doing like, you know, all these very, like doing this, like I'm assuming original music, but like, you know, he's EDM the shit out of it. And the one song that I cannot shake because it is so... It is so good. Is um, look at that butt by <laughs> with by Dylan Francis and Jarena Demarco. And here's the thing: like my dear co-host of my other podcast, Right School, Joshua, he is the person who I get most of my new most of the new music that I listen to. If it's something new and interesting, he loves like alt indie pop, and so I do as well. Um, and I do as well. So Jarena Demarco was a performer that uh i got turned on to from joshua and she has this like she's a you know has these really fun songs but she has this song like the you have to listen to look at that butt by dylan francis featuring jarena demarco it is 
just in my head and like I've been listening to it on the way to work and it just gets me pumped up you know look at that butt it's like right before the beat drops and then it's just like oh if you're looking at the thing you can see my shoulders moving it's really great I might be adding that to a playlist (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what it is about this like semi like North African Middle Eastern like flute (laughs) which is you know very DJ Snake very very um very like of a particular of that particular time period like we're just coming out of that like era of edm but my god it's it's just like it's coming but into work could, and being here, like, look at that butt here's the thing with that song you could have sent me that song and said hey matt have you heard the song from the rupaul drag race finalists and i would have <laughs> equally believed you <laughs> like, Rat tiki um, tiki ta ta. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, is this UK, hon? <laughs> yes. Bing bang bong. You're going to walk that fucking duck, Matt? Walk that fucking duck. Uh, all right. Well, <laughs> it's very obvious that we have filled this episode of nothingness. We're just hanging out at this point. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, Joe, do I have something more to look forward to next week, at least? Uh, I mean, here's the thing I really don't like. <laughs> the next few episodes leading into like maybe episode two of season two (laughs) it's i'm gonna be completely honest with you like i think maybe the one Well, no you've promised me that you think the finale of season one is like among one of the greatest of all the finale the like the last 10 minutes okay so we'll see all right so it's we're about to we're about is are we DMX because it's about to be a rough rider up in here for a little bit. Um, we'll 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 be back with more white people problems an OC podcast. listening to the Geekscape Network. 